Hello and welcome to A Couple of Goons. It's a podcast about hockey. This is a very good time for hockey. I'm Walt Hickey, and then joining me as always is Neil Payne. Neil, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Walt. That was a very smooth, uh, first of all, great intro by you, but also the music seemed to fade out Mm -hmm. a lot more smoothly and professionally than usual. Did you know that you can change the volume on these? I didn't, but we're learning, all right? Wow, it only took us 24 episodes to figure out how to fade out the intro Mm -hmm. music Yeah, did you know that the little line above it is not the length of it, but rather an adjustable volume? I don't know why the infinity symbol is next to it, but Zencaster, get your shit together. We're having a good time. (laughs) Yeah. But it is, yeah. It's uh, it, it's an exciting time for hockey, and uh, it could have been a more exciting time for Tampa Bay, but a less exciting time for you. Yes. If not for a goal that got scored in overtime of a game that was played a, a few days ago. The and, beautiful. Uh, but goal. you have new life, longtime new life. Montreal Canadiens fan Walt Hickey. You. I- I have a joie de vivre that is unmistakable, a certain <laughs> je ne sais quoi that makes me uh, just wonderful and sparkling at parties. Uh, yeah, no, it is. Uh, it, we got a new lease. We got them exactly where we want them. All right. That's what you Three kept saying. Three and one. You know, I kept making fun of it. And I kept uh, tapping the sign and we got them exactly where we want them. <laughs> yeah, it really, you know, especially given the fact that uh, late in that game, Tampa was throwing everything was but the kitchen sink, and there was that penalty. It was like it was a four-minute double minor that they had to kill with yep. uh, Shea, Shea Weber in the box, mm-hmm. and yet still somehow this team of destiny, mm-hmm. this Montreal Canadiens team, mm-hmm. ha- has has decided to put a, a whole city, nay, a whole country, on its back, and is storming back. I think we, you know, uh, I think we should make plans to go up there for the victory parade, the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup parade, because uh, oh, clearly yeah. they're going to win three more in a row at this yes. point. Now, and, uh, usually and, yeah, I'm smuggling stuff the other made. direction across the border, but I think that we can get you into the country. And <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an issue now, you know. I think I think that um, you know, go uh, being a non-Canada-based Montreal fan. And wanting to go to a celebratory event or even to a game up there mm-hmm. is now not a trivial matter like it used to be where you would just pull up to the border in some kind of ramshackle vehicle and the Mounties mm-hmm. would look you over for a split second and be like, hey, it seems good. Here, yep. have a complimentary uh, thing of maple syrup on your way. <laughs> That's how they used to do it. Yes, my I will understanding. Be, uh, I will be least. drinking out of my picnic electronic bucket that I received at a electronic music festival in Montreal several years ago, uh, hey. toasting to their victory. Um, oh, what a, what a great couple of days it's been! Uh, tonight they are playing another game of hockey, and it could be their last. Um, so yeah, let's... I mean, it's sad that they can't f- just kind of freeze things right, right like this and say, "We won the last game of this season." Yeah. Yes, Tampa Bay won three previous games and therefore won more games in the uh, final series. But, you know, wouldn't it be nice if they could just give the, the losing team something I'm 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 sort of this getting the end, card ahead of the. This horse. is where we end the movie. Um, yeah. But right. anyway, um, yeah, it's so, the Moneyball. It's like uh, in Moneyball where the guy hits the home run, and then it's like the, the in tiny print afterward. They're like they the lost. Oakland A's proceeded to collapse over the next three games and lost. They never and came then, back, and they never came back, and never reached this far in the playoffs ever again. The vision was unfulfilled. Other teams f- sussed it out. It was kind of over before it even began. Right. <laughs> But Michael but Lewis moment, sold a book. But the moment. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Lewis sold a lot of books. 
Oh, Michael Lewis just grinds those out. I like him a lot, though. Oh, anyway, great guy. Uh, well, like in terms of like the pop science authors or like pop econ authors, absolutely upper upper strata. Like we're big yeah. fans of Michael Lewis. I mean, yeah, I'm a huge fan uh, of his. Uh, I'm not even being sarcastic, which yeah. is kind of rare on this show because I feel like my default state for approximately 97% of uh, all of our runtime is sarcasm. Yes, exactly. We're very Gledwellian in that regard. Uh, so I would say that first up, we have team of the week. <laughs> team of the week. Uh, would you describe that there's a team this week that this week is so so manifestly theirs that one would say that they are the team of the week? Well, I, I want to say that the team of the week is the Peterborough Peets of the Ontario Hockey League. No, I'm joking. Yes. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, at this point, team of the week, I, I think I've said it before, it's kind of lost all meaning. Uh, but I, I think we'll give team of the week to uh, the Canadians for gritting out that aforementioned win against not. Yeah, it truly is against all odds. I was going to say against <laughs> most of the odds. But it really was against all of them. Yeah. Which odd was in their favor? Yeah. None of the odds <laughs> uh, were in their favor. Not a single odd. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were down in the 3-0 hole. They had been pretty uh, manifestly outclassed for uh, the majority of the series. I believe they didn't even have a lead. Is that right? I think until no, their first lead first was this past game. Yeah. In game four. Yeah, they yep. had not held a single lead in the series. So for them to come back, whether the fact that Tampa tied that game in the third period and then the the kind of barrage of shots, the penalty, all of this stuff, to be able to actually come back and win uh, and, and force at least a fifth game, that's Team of the Week material. Right team there. of the Week material. Can't make them team better. Team of the Week. Clear Team of the Week material. I think it's so funny. We're, <laughs> well, as the series kind of progresses, we <laughs> have like done more to sort of like pump up uh like the bar for montreal getting team of the week is so low yeah it's like, like montreal canadians exist yep. team of the week baby they, look <laughs> they only lost two of the games that happened since we last chatted team of the week team of the week i love that um the uh speaking of all this this team stuff real quick i it just occurred so did you what did you think of like the nbc sports retrospective that aired in the middle of game four. Cause they were like, this could be it. We got it. Now is our goodbye. It could be the last game ever on the, on the national broadcasting corporations networks. And then it was yeah, very, I, I, I think there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I feel like it was a very misty eyed um, feeling that came over all of us with nostalgia. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to think back on the NBC era because the NBC era was one of the most consequential eras of hockey in general. Uh, and just the way that the sport has kind of developed, grown, I think gotten a lot better, uh, over the time that NBC, uh, broadcast it. And of course it's wonderful affiliates, the NBC sports network, uh, versus network, <laughs> the outdoor life network, occasionally CNBC can't forget them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, um, it, they were mostly good stewards for the game so yeah i did feel sort of a little bit of like oh this is kind of the signpost of uh end of a, a certain era and the beginning of a new era uh potentially as soon as the 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 series is over whenever that is whether it happens in uh a five game tampa mostly romp or a seven game thrilling montreal come more likely yes a which seven is game more likely thrilling. statistically yes. i mean we're we are numbers guys here so wow. it is more likely 
uh, that the, the latter happens. No matter when that happens, yeah, it'll it'll be the last moment uh, of a of a certain broadcasting network airing these games. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really difficult to see, like on Friday, who the winner is, whether the winner is Montreal or whether the winner is Black Widow, commanding audiences everywhere, because <laughs> like, there's no other options as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it was interesting to kind of see them, them like do a retrospective. They alluded to some sort of event in 2005 that was at the start of their tenure that I didn't really know anything about. But we um, haven't talked about that yet. We'll get to it yeah, eventually. We're saving that for the off season. That's Pro- I mean, like, actually, yeah, that's a great off season episode. I'm looking forward to our off season Gretzky verse and then our off season um, <laughs> into the I got, Gretzky. I gotta really upgrade the music uh, between now and then in some of this. But, yeah, uh, could you do like, uh, or maybe we could solicit um, any listeners out there that uh, want to make like mixtape type things. If you could give us some kind of theme for the Gretzky, uh, you know, multiverse oh, no. uh, episode that that intersperses like terse, polite like Gretzkyisms <laughs> with like very epic uh electronic music. No, oh, do you know what it is though? Amazing. You know what it's got to be? It's got to be a bummer remix of the um Brass Bonanza and then like <laughs> like, like like you know how Fox has the injury version yes. of like the Fox like on NFL theme. Yes. It's just like on the plaintiff piano. Yeah, minor key <laughs> Minor key, um, brass bonanza with with snippets from Gretzky's like press conference where he cried after leaving the uh, the uh, Edmonton Oilers. And then there's got to be a key change, and then it gets a lot bigger and faster. And Brett, oh man, this is gonna be great. I wish I I wish I knew anything about music. (laughs) But see, that's the thing is, uh, perhaps one of our listeners does. And and they would know what we were uh, exactly what we were going for. Exactly. Perhaps that is the case. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Um, so every week we do um, we commemorate the history of hockey by recounting a individual who has the number uh, of the episode that we are on. And we are on episode uh, 25. And um, Neil, I put the question to you. Uh, who is the best 25 or no, the Goonies tw- or the best Goonies 25? Ooh, yeah. See, the Goonie aspect I still haven't fully processed. Still, so I mean, still a lot of us have going best. Yeah, no, best. none Let's of us have, best. have 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 truly processed um, uh, the gooniness or the movie <laughs> The Goonies. Uh, you know, it's been a while. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I'm going to pick a thematic 25, uh, and that's going to be Dave Andrichuk, who played Ooh. for the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2004 when the franchise won its first cup. He was, in fact, actually the captain of that team. He was 40 years old. It was his second to last season. It was the final NHL season before the event, mm-hmm. which shall not be talked about. No, of course not. Uh, but, but Dave Andrichuk uh, was a great scorer. Uh, we talk about snipers and just guys that knew, guys with a nose for the net. That's something that gets <laughs> talked about. You know, you have to know your way around the crease you have to have a nose for the net and know how to uh, put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. And Andrew Chuck knew how to do all of those things. In his career, he scored 640 goals, uh, which is 15th on the all-time career list. He also had 698 assists, which is 56th. So that actually puts him 29th on the all-time career NHL points list. Now, we Ooh. should say he was one of the guys that played uh, – really the majority of his career in the high flying, you know, live puck era, Mm. but 
But he did have a number of late career seasons in which he was in the dead puck era, which in my estimation probably started around 1997. I mean, it probably started in earnest with the uh, New Jersey Devils Stanley Cup win in 1995. And I think we've talked about them, how the neutral zone trap and their success with it really kind of inspired a generation of coaches to be like, what if we really just obstructed and impeded everything offensive in the game and tried to win one nothing? How does that sound? <laughs> is that is that good? Uh, so when that uh, when that happened, it really plunged the game into a low scoring era. But even with that, Dave Andrichuk still had some seasons where he scored. In fact, after the dead puck era began, he scored 20 or more goals on, I want to say, six different occasions, which is pretty incredible when you think about it, especially since he was in his mid to late 30s, if not in his 40s at that time, uh, and, and yet still was able to score despite that, uh, that defensive-minded game. When he was a younger player, he could really snipe with the best of them. He had 54 goals in 1993, which many people consider to be the greatest uh, season of hockey uh, of all time. Not by Dave Andrzejczyk. But uh, that, when, I, when I said that, it made it sound like Dave Andrzejczyk had the best season of all time. I think Gretzky has a few on him. But the 93 <laughs> season, what is considered by many people to be the best season in NHL history? Uh, and we should probably do a whole episode on uh, that, that season in particular. Uh, but during that very you know fondly remembered season, Dave Andrzejczyk scored 54 goals, uh, which I believe was the highest of his entire career. Uh, it was. And then the following year, he scored 53 goals. So really, he was a high scorer at his uh, at his peak, but he was able to play uh, and adapt to a different game later on. And what I really like is the fact that uh, after he he played, so he played his prime years, his high scoring years, mostly the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, and then he moved on to the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, and then the New Jersey Devils, ironically, of all the teams to go to. And he finished 11th in the Selkie Trophy voting in 1997 for best defensive forward which was something that not a lot of people really thought of him as that type of player earlier in his career when he was scoring a lot. Uh, but he turned himself into a really good defensive forward that was getting consideration for this award. He also uh, finished uh, in the top 11 in the voting for the Lady Bing uh, twice huh. in, in 92 and 93, which is our least favorite trophy as least Goons. favorite. Least favorite, but we'll still give him credit on that. Uh, and then in 2004, again, he finished, uh, he got votes for the Selkie Trophy. He finished 20th in the Lady Bing voting, and he was the captain of the Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, winning their first championship in franchise history uh, back before they became this sort of juggernaut that they are now. Of how course, old until, are the, how until old are they? they lose uh, to the uh, Canadians. So the <laughs> Lightning first came into existence in the 92 slash 93 season. Another reason why that was sort of a banner season, a signpost kind of season in NHL history was it was in the middle of this expansion rush to put teams in uh, shall we say non-traditional hockey locales <laughs> Tampa certainly fits that uh, qualification and uh, they were one of the first Sunbelt teams whether it's through expansion or relocation or any of the shenanigans that our friend Gary uh, <laughs> pulled during the 90s to, to get teams in these places they were one of the first teams that fit that description to win the cup uh, they weren't the first but they were in that first wave uh, of teams in there uh, and it just was sort of set off a a, uh, a chain reaction of sort of like Tampa has been 
one of the better franchises, you know, uh, maybe not every single year since then, but they have gone to the cup final uh, a few times. They've won it. Certainly last year, they won their second one. They are uh, certainly on the verge of doing it again. Uh, and, and you could say Dave Andrichuk with his leadership of that 2004 team. Now he wasn't the best player on that team. And they had a lot of other guys and Nikolai hobby Bulin, the goalie uh, for them, Martin San Louis and Brad Richards and Vinny LeCavalier uh, and a bunch of guys that, that really, um, it was a star studded roster that they put together as well. And Andrew Chuck was one of those guys, but sort of in the twilight phase of his career. Uh, but it was, he was the leader of that team and, and it was a pretty good team. Uh, so yeah, the 2004 Tampa Bay Lightning and Dave Andrichuk, he he wore number 25 for that team, and therefore he is our commemorative number 25 for Goons number 25. There we go. 25 for 25. That's a great name for a series. But we should, yeah. maybe, we should maybe leave that maybe in the oven for five more episodes. Five episodes. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so topic this week that I really wanted to get into because we've talked a lot about hockey over the course of the season and how it is the weirdest sport in the whole world. And there are many, (laughs) many traditions that are odd and there's many, many histories that are weird. We've talked a little bit about the Stanley cup and like the things that folks have done to it and lost it and rivers that it ended up in and all, all sorts of stuff. But like this week, ideally a couple of days from now, potentially a little bit earlier, we will have a winner of the Stanley cup. And this week I would like to find out what happens then? I know that there's all sorts of different rituals across different sports of just like uh, people get, you know, they the, the commissioner hands them a thing and it's co- but like what happens after after you win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, so we could go kind of minute by minute because um, <laughs> so the cup is in the building for the entirety of the game in which it could be clinched. And there's this guy, Phil Pritchard, who if you you know, the more you watch hockey, the more you'll like recognize him and be like, Hey, he's the, he's the Stanley cup guy. Mm-hmm. But basically he's this guy that wears uh, a pair of white gloves and a suit. And he has the cup in this, like um, uh, this trunk, basically like, you know, <laughs> you would keep like musical uh, instruments in or something, but it contains the cup. And so he kind of gets it out onto this, uh, this table that has like a fancy tablecloth on it. And uh, they're just kind of hanging out in the, uh, in the arena waiting for if, if they're needed and if the cup is sort of invoked. So at the (laughs) moment that, that someone wins the cup, whether it's through uh, you know, the final seconds ticking off where the losing team can't score or we, you know, we've been treated to on a number of occasions getting to see uh, a situation where someone scores some kind of like overtime goal that clinches the cup in in that moment. You sort of see all the tension and all the the anticipation turn into celebration. So the players, of course, if a player just scored the goal that won the cup. All of the teammates, like you know, drop all their equipment and their gloves and everything, and mob him in the uh, you know <laughs> over by the boards, wherever that is. The goalie, you know, uh, skates to the end of the ice. And now, if if they're counting down the seconds, they will tend to sort of mob around the goalie. Got so it. it's sort of two separate kind of contingency plans. Understood. So if you're like on... up two, and right. then like you, and then the center of attention is the goalie. Right. And then you kind of if mob you're like the goalie, where if it's just like the like 
the do you believe in Mary? Like if, if it's the yeah. last little bit of it, then it's all on the individual who 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 brung hung the bacon, so to speak. Right, exactly. So they kind of go crazy, and there's a lot of hooting and hollering, and uh, you know, piling on. Especially if they're at home, the crowd goes crazy. Which, of course, the I think it was the mayor of Tampa was like, <laughs> "Hey, could you guys like lose this next game so you can come home and win uh, this one at home?" Cool. That that would be great. Thanks. It's like, yeah, that's not going to be the material for some kind of curse or some kind of. Did, did the good people of Philly something. send down all your extra grease that you had left over from your various <laughs> celebrations to make sure that the lampposts don't get clapped? I can only assume so. Uh, although I think probably, uh, you know, in, in it being Tampa, I don't know if there's any way to keep people from taking like bath salts, which I assume is what yeah. the celebratory mechanism will be down I've there. I've seen a couple of documentaries about the good people <laughs> of Tampa, Magic Mike among them. And I think that pole grease is something that they now come to think of it. They have an ample amount. They do. It's have- an industrial <laughs> resource. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's, in, it's not in uh, short supply. So anyway, uh, yeah, so when when the cup is won, they mob around the player who is deemed to be a judge. Sorry, a judge to be most uh, instrumental or should be the center of attention. And so then they'll sort of, you know, uh, do that for a little while. Uh, the commentators will sort of wax poetic about the meaning of the moment and all of that, you know, and how long it's been, or in Tampa's case, it's only really been less than a year. So they'll talk about something else, maybe some players who hadn't won it uh, that suddenly are, you know, uh, getting to enjoy it for the first time or whatever. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be a little bit more to say if, uh, if the Canadians win for a lot of different reasons. Uh, But anyway, so uh, then they kind of clear out all the junk that got dropped on the ice. And uh, the, the, the sad thing is that the uh, losing team players, they have to stand there and sort of like watch Watch. as the, uh, the championship has been won and uh, just sort of, uh, take it all in and be like, Hey, this could have been, this could have been us. It's not us. You know, what do we do uh, in that situation? So then they go through the whole kind of song and dance of the, um, obviously the, the handshake, they don't make them sit there uh, and, and kind of take it in for the whole time. You know, (laughs) Uh, that would be a little bit, you know, cruel. It would be kind of insane. (laughs) Like, cruel and unusual. Uh, but anyway, so then after that happens, uh, and they've kind of, you know, cleared out everything, they'll bring out the cup and they'll, they'll, they'll literally roll out a red carpet, um, <laughs> for the, the players, uh, really, uh, for the people stepping out onto the ice, right. not the players, the people stepping out without skates on, uh, you which don't want is a parks kind and of rec situation where you have to like, no. <laughs> No, that would be uh, that would be so awkward. And of course, we've seen the cup. You know, the cup does have bad things happen to it sometimes uh, that we can get into. Also, I don't think we've talked about the various different things that can happen to the cup after you've won, like during the summer when the team gets to hang out with it, Uh, because one player from uh, or every player from the winning team gets to spend one day with the cup uh, in whatever manner that they please uh and so the there have been some funny stories about what happens to the cup when that um 
when that when that goes down. Uh, but that's another uh, uh, item for another podcast. But anyway, so they'll roll out the red carpet. They'll have the guys, Phil Pritchard and his friends, kind of come out, bring out the cup, set it down on this fancy table. Uh, and then Gary Bettman comes out. Uh, and since they'll be playing in front of fans, Gary Bettman will get booed oh, mercilessly. Fuck, thank God. Okay. Right? I was worried for a little bit that this wasn't a interleague thing, but okay, cool. No, so Gary Bettman will uh, will be mercilessly um, yes. and roundly uh, insulted and jeered by the fans, no matter who they are, because they could be the the fans of the team that just won, the fans of the team that just lost. Uh, they will have they they will have something to say negative about him, of course. Uh, and so then uh, he'll come out, say a few words about you know how great it was. Well, he'll say something about the team that lost and how great they are and how, how hard they fought. And he'll uh, say, you know, the fans here were great at this stadium. And you would think that would be a cue for the fans to turn their booze into cheers, but they don't, they still Down. boo. They're good. Okay, good. Yeah. No, they cool. still boo They're not them. easily no- coddled by this bullshit. All right. I get it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing can uh, derail the boo train <laughs> that is headed toward <laughs> Gary Batman. So then, <laughs> Finally, after all of that, and he said all of his his piece, I believe the order in which they do it is they give the the Con Smythe Trophy, so they they declare who went who wins that. So that's the playoff MVP, uh, mm. and okay, cool. uh, they'll they'll bring that out too and have it on the table next to the cup or whatever, and they'll say who won that, and then they'll get, uh, you know have the guy that uh, won that do like a little photo op with Batman for a split second, and then he'll like give it to somebody i don't know who some lackey or you know some team <laughs> official who will then take it away and then they'll give the cup to the captain of the winning team who then gets to hoist it and skate around with it for you know approximately 15 20 seconds something like that so like uh, a once ago round or is this a two go round thing uh, well, he, he doesn't go around the whole rink. He sort of just goes, especially since they've brought like a bunch of people out on the rink right. and, and sort of closed off maybe like half of it. So he'll just do a little like twirl about, you know, kind of uh, a mini sort of not even a lap, just a little circle near the vicinity of the um, the carpet uh, and hoist it and yell and sort of exult in the fans uh, getting excited. And then he'll hand it off to whoever the, you know, second highest ranking leader on the team or, you know, most important player, they, they sort of script out ahead of time. Generally. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have sort of a pecking order. Like, like the in captain, case of Stanley cup emergency. Like. Right. This is who will, this is how we'll um, do it. And so the captain is always, I think without fail, the first person to lift the cup, even mm. in 2001, uh, when, and this is probably the closest there has been to an exception to that. So I think I talked about this, but the Colorado Avalanche acquired, I think the previous season they acquired yes. Ray Bork, who had been with the Boston Bruins for a long time. And he had made, I think a couple Stanley cup finals, but lost both of those finals. So he had come close to winning the cup, then went through this really long period where the Bruins were just not even that competitive. And so he had been waiting and he, here's one of the greatest defensemen of all time never won the cup, come close a few times. He'd been waiting for like 20 years to, to hoist the cup. The Avalanche picked him up with the expectation that he would be able to help them win it in 2000, but they fell short, I believe, in the conference finals. Uh, and so 
he had to they he had to wait more and they sort of dedicated the whole 2001 season to winning Ray the cup. So when they did win the cup uh, over the Devils in 2001, uh, he wasn't their captain. They already had a captain, Joe Sackick, who I believe was our number nine, nine episode nine, 19 namesake, uh, sponsored player, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> and so it would be great if these players actually did sponsor us. It would create a little bit of a moral hazard. You know, we'd be, you know, do I go with Dave Anderchuk or do I go with the scrub that's giving me uh, 15 bucks on Venmo? Uh, I believe that but this anyway. is the entire principle of like esports at this point. Like, <laughs> Yeah, basically. Uh, and so uh, so in that particular case, they had a captain. Ray Bork was kind of the spiritual leader or at least the the guy that they wanted to sort of dedicate things to. So when Joe Sackick came up and Bettman did his thing and, and they were getting the cup, he technically had to accept the cup because the captain has to accept it. But he immediately turned around he didn't even hoist it for himself he turned around and gave it to ray bork to be the person so technically he accepted it but then the first person to hoist it uh on that team was ray bork because he had been waiting for so long and it was sort of a big deal for them to do that so So very much the exception that proves the rule right exactly yeah uh uh, the captain sort of i don't know if it's like is it written into the rules somewhere it's kind of a weird thing where it's sort of uh, it's 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 either uh codified somewhere but i don't think it is i think it's just uh, an unwritten rule of to the game. To briefly recap, like you mentioned, this guy Pritchard, right? Yes. The so, like the, the cup guy, the NHL doesn't own the Stanley Cup. I think you told me before, right? It's in the custody of two dudes who are trustees who just kind of have a deal with them, right? I believe so. I don't actually fully know the answer to this, but I believe <laughs> the Stanley Cup is owned by the Hall of Fame. But I could be wrong, and the NHL could like own it or co-own it or something. I know that it, when it's not out, it lives at the hall of fame. And I know Phil mm-hmm. Pritchard works for the hall of fame. So it would seem to, uh, follow that the hall of fame owns the Stanley cup. And, and you know what? There could be like a third entity. There could be some kind of like Stanley cup trust or something like that, that, um, that owns it and like rents it out to the, <laughs> to the hall of fame. Uh, you know, you should see the rents that they're charging. It's, it's fucking <laughs> exorbitant. Uh, but anyway, so I don't actually know who owns, owns it, but I do know Phil Pritchard is employed by whomever that is. And I think it's a hall of fame, uh, <laughs> to sort of make sure that no serious harm comes to the cup. Again, there has, there have been some, some, uh, bumps and bruises and dents, literal dents put in the Stanley cup when it was dropped from various, <laughs> places or uh dropped into various uh bodies of water for instance all kinds of weird things have happened with it uh but yeah so they'll uh, they'll hoist the cup and you know they go in order you know from the captain on down to whomever they think is the next most important and so forth and you know they'll each have their moment where they uh get to skate around a little bit hold it over their head it is not light that is another important thing that you should know about what's the, the Stanley What's the mass Cup of this sucker? What, is, what are we talking uh, about here? That it, I believe it weighs 35 uh, pounds. That's 34, 34.5 pounds. Uh-huh. So imagine, you know, you've just played a whole hockey game and nope, many games can't imagine that. over that the last <laughs> two weeks, or not two weeks, two months, plus the regular season, which of course we know doesn't matter uh, based on the Montreal Canadiens performance alone this uh, postseason. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, you are sort of drenched in sweat. You've, you're exhausted. You have, you know, 
equipment on, padding on, you've taken off your helmet and your gloves and you're not carrying the stick around. But aside from that, you still have the full uniform on. Maybe you've put on like a celebratory hat or wedged uh, some kind of T-shirt over (laughs) your pads and stuff. Sometimes that happens. Uh, But anyway, when you do that, you then lift this 35 pound, uh, you know, very fancy looking uh, and very prestigious piece of hardware over your head and you'll (laughs) kiss it uh, and, you know, kind of just sort of raise it up and down and and they call it hoisting the cup for a reason. And so this continues until every single person, including the, not just the players, but also the coaching staff and their families and the uh, general manager and, you know, everyone who uh, played any kind of role whatsoever. (laughs) When it becomes clear, they're either about to win the cup or, you know, if they win in overtime and they have won the cup, they'll get all those people down to join Phil Pritchard in the, uh, in the tunnel, you know, leading out onto the ice. And then, you know, they'll kind of go out there and wait for their turn. And, and uh, yeah, anybody who's uh, anybody associated with that team gets to sort of have their moment with a cup, which is really cool. That so is then cool. after that, yeah, they'll go back to the, they'll take it back to the locker room. And then uh, my understanding is it's just sort of a haze of, you know, interviews, champagne, uh, celebratory drinking, shirtlessness, um, several you know, unspeakable things being carousing, yeah. uh, going to, you know, whatever kind of, uh, bars or whatever. Maybe that was a little more common in, in an earlier era. An incinerator, probably, <laughs> an incinerator yeah. in Newark is burning all the former t-shirts that would have had, had the other oh, team yeah. won. Well, you know, they do, uh, it's always funny what they do to those because they send them to places where maybe there's like, you know, clothing insecurity or, or you know, otherwise impoverished um, people uh, and, and especially children who just need clothes. And so like charities, you know, like the Salvation Army or something yeah. like that will get donations of jerseys. So, you know, the joke was always that, you know, some some kid somewhere is wearing a Patriots uh, 20 and 0 or what 19 and 0. Uh, I think oh, it, was 20, yes. it would have been 20 and 0. Uh, 2007. No, no, it's 19 and 0. I should know this because it's 18 and what is what oh, we say to people from one. Boston. That's and it. so, yeah, yeah, so it, it must be 19, 19 and 0. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some kid uh, <laughs> somewhere thinks that the Patriots went 19 and 0. <laughs> season but anyway so yeah those will be carted off to uh to be you know pushed out of sight and out of mind of course uh but then yeah the the players get the ones that are appropriate to the actual result that happened uh and then yeah i think back in the day it probably would not have been unthinkable to have been at like a you know say it's the 70s you're in boston <laughs> By now, the way, now you're talking a, familiar far what more a, likely what a visual you're, Far you know, you're chain likely smoking than me as a hockey player. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine this. You're chain smoking and you're drinking heavily at a Boston institution. Wow. And in walks Un- Bobby Orr. Bobby <laughs> Orr. still happen, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, Bobby Orr is still alive. Uh, <laughs> I think he lives in Canada. Uh, but anyway, you know, Bobby Orr walks into the bar <laughs> and he has the cup, the friggin cup <laughs> in his hand. And you spend the night carousing with Bobby as he, uh, you know, uh, you guys drink champagne out of the top of the cup. That's a thing that could have probably, presumably, like some Definitely dude has happened. a story <laughs> about that happening from 1972 Amazing. in Boston. 
And uh, yeah, so so that's sort of a timeline of what happens. And I think the players, you know, a few days later, they'll like, you know, if they're at home, they'll obviously they'll just go home afterward or whatever. And they'll probably have some events that they do afterward. You know, uh, probably the next day or two, they'll have the championship parade. So they all kind of get back together and they do their thing, you know, or, uh, in, in the city, which is always really fun and sort of a, another chance to give back to the fans. Uh, and at a certain point, yeah, they got to go back, clean out their lockers and sort of get it all ready to, to take the summer off. Uh, and then, that's when they'll have a schedule of, and I, I think the schedule is based on sort of availability and like who has, you know, the logistics of deciding who gets the Stanley Cup on what day is kind of fun. <laughs> but a lot of times guys that do it, you know, they'll either, you know, they'll plan a day where they get to just hang out with their family and the cup will kind of be at their, their pool in their backyard and they'll take pictures with it and invite everybody from the neighborhood over. <laughs> Oftentimes they'll go back to their hometown. That's a thing that happens a lot is they'll, you know, go back to their parents' house where they probably learned how to skate in the backyard or whatever <laughs> on some frozen pond uh, or at the rink down the street. And, and they'll have, call, you know, everybody from that town will kind of have a chance to come down and celebrate with sort of the the local boy made good uh as that's especially true you know a lot of players who are born in places outside north america you know where uh like players who are from like latvia or yeah, yeah. you know the czech republic or whatever they'll the they're people that they grew up with will kind of come and get to see the cup when they fly it over uh so uh they'll I mean, they'll work out the is, is, that's that. carry on right i don't know if you can see yeah the right you can stuff that easily unless easily. you're flying spirit and That's then cool. i don't want to see what happens when you try to get that get that onto spirit you don't fly spirit what is this a james dolan owned business that requires employees to fly spirit <laughs> like... yeah right oh man if the rangers won the well actually they actually care about the rangers uh mm -hmm. the rangers are a prestige franchise so i don't know if they, you knew this but we're, we're a pretty big deal yeah they <laughs> might they might not make them fly spirit spirit uh but there probably was a time where um you know like when the when the hartford whalers r.i.p uh were owned by the carmanos brothers and were thinking about leaving town uh imminently for some southern destination uh that you know if if they had to uh transport their players uh from from hartford somewhere they would have probably done the equivalent of spirit air, whatever that was back in 1996. Uh, and so yeah. like sometime this week, what's going to happen is game's going to conclude. If it concludes because it's two zero, then they're going to hang out with the goalie. If it concludes, cause it's like goals one, they're going to hang out with the guy. And then everybody's going to do some circles on the ice where they're going to give a bullshit trophy away real quick. That's fine. But then they're going to kind of, everybody gets their minute with it unspeakable things happen in a locker room and then over the course of the next couple like months or so people hang out with it one by one and uh and then it just kind of reverts back to the hall at some point i guess right yeah basically uh that's that's uh, how it works essentially more or less um and phil pritchard i don't know phil i think phil pritchard goes you know for the most part goes to the places i mean he really has Oof. one of the most the things that best he and has most seen. interesting jobs of yeah. any person in the world um uh, that uh, he would get to go with it uh, <laughs> to all of these different places. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of cool.
That's great. Um, so cool. And we will see that sometime this or ideally next week. And uh, and yeah, no. So that'll be fun. And then so this will be the last broadcast on uh, the Peacock family of products, as I believe what they're calling themselves now. And then <laughs> it kicks off next year with a new crew. And so, yeah, cool. All right. Anything else yeah. you need to know going into the, the end game here as one does? No, I mean, we we have the Lightning as a 95.55% wow. uh, favorite to win the finals still. Uh, I, well, actually, it was more like 99 <laughs> versus 1 uh, after the, the third game. But, just but based we got on... them right where we want them right now. And that's what right. Counts, exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that 5% or I guess, well, if we're rounding properly, it would really only be 4%. It's like 45 I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that four and a half percent chance is at least enough to keep things interesting. You know, I think yeah. it's like almost outside uh, some kind of 95 percent uh, confidence, uh, you know, kind of threshold where we're like, we're we're still almost if you round in a very generous way maybe unsure about the outcome of the series yeah because five rounds up to 10 and then 10 rounds up to 50 <laughs> and it's basically just like i feel like i've must basically I must, their favorites yeah 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 that's pretty much works. yeah i mean like in the in the, in the universe is like uncertainty engine absolutely their favorites so <laughs> i mean look if if you run enough an infinite number of stanley cup finals between these canadians and lightning the Canadians win eventually. <laughs> that's my that's my that's my take on the on the finals. It's like, look, if you believe in the multiverse hypothesis, there actually will w- without question be a universe in which the Canadians come back from down 3-0 to win the Stanley Cup. Think about that. The only question is will we be in that in that multiverse? Yeah. I mean, listen, like I got I got a twenty sided die directly in front of me. Where is it? It's like right over here somewhere. <laughs> roll the die. And I'm gonna roll it. And basically, if it comes up twenty, yeah, the Canadians will win. Absolutely, that's how this works. That's just it's just math. I just need to find. I got a lot of twenty sided dies. I don't know exactly where it is, but anyway, I will just I'll roll a die off mic, and then uh, and then we'll see if it comes up uh, nat twenty. I've gotten enough nat twenties in my life that it works. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Like, easy. look, we all have gotten them, and mm-hmm. that's where the that's where the Canadians are right now. They yeah. just need to roll a nat twenty, and they're also plus three to flukes, so they just need to roll a seventeen or above. I don't know what's done. Yeah, right. Uh, the AC on this is is not as high as you might think not because Tampa mm-hmm. disappointed in the playoffs just two years ago. How quickly we forget they had the the biggest meltdown uh, of any team, uh, arguably ever, getting swept in the first round after. Um, after setting the new or tying the record for most wins in a season, what would be a more fitting response to that or sequel to that than having the biggest meltdown in Stanley <laughs> cup final history? Although I think in, uh, you know, hockey's a weird enough sport that I believe on at least one other occasion, if not a few others teams have come back from down three Oh in the final, but you just have to go back to like back in the original six era where it's like, <laughs> wasn't that hard to make the final let's well, which, be honest which team and these two competitors has experience with the original six era well it's not the tampa bay lightning no it's I'll not i'll tell you that much have you ever so like this is it always gets me thinking about whenever like we fuck around with stats like this have you ever seen like it's a promo um for uh tna sacrifice 
where a guy named Scott Steiner is about to uh, play against uh, Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle, and he's talking about his odds of winning. I haven't seen this, but I'm okay. intrigued. I'm gonna so like I well, I'll send it to you after, and I'm gonna include it in the notes of the description. It's also just like the greatest use of statistics in the world because he's just like, listen, <laughs> you got a 25 percent chance to beat me, and then it's, it's a three way sacrifice. You got 33 and a third, and then you take your third chance of winning, and then I got an eighth chance of winning. Yeah, like, I got 141 two thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. And Joe, like, it's just like <laughs> it's it's um that sounds like the most appropriate um. Yes post or pre i guess a pre-game interview uh that there could ever be for for our show yeah it's the greatest wrestling thing ever i will see if it's like wrestlers are automatically goony as hell they're the gooniest they're the gooniest of all athletes and then you throw in probabilistic uh it's honest it's beautiful trash talk i'm gonna put this in i'm gonna put it in the description and everybody should watch it because it's the greatest thing in the world um all right hey neil where can people find you and find your work they can find me at 538, and you spell that out, uh, not not the numbers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've got a GitHub, which do. is easy enough to find. You just go to www.github.com slash neilpain538, again, spelled out completely, and all those words are spelled out. Yes. And if you do that, oh, dot .com. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> if you do that then uh, you can be redirected automatically to my GitHub that has uh, updated Stanley Cup probabilities. I've been so amped up at the end of these games that I've taken to uh, running the, the new simulations and sort of updating the, the repo. How many sims like, we have? Minutes on the season? Ooh, yeah. We should calculate that. How many simulated seasons have we run in the season? Because I ran be... it just about every day for like 40,000 in the beginning want to start uh we're like 150 days into the year give or take yeah and it started uh, the season started not long after new year's you're probably at (laughs) 600,000 no no sorry probably like 60 million sims at this point does that sound right (laughs) 40,000 a day for 150 days work this out Uh, well i was doing uh i've been doing 2000 a day oh then you're not there yeah. okay or 2500 2500 yeah. a day okay so then we're not there i thought for whatever reason i thought you're doing 40,000. but no yeah. no i i just uh you know other sites such as 538 will run more simulations than that <sighs> but i think for something like elo which doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles things stabilize yeah. uh, a little bit faster also my computer is kind of slow <laughs> so Yep. I think uh, I, I feel comfortable with this uh, 2500 sim with approach. My, with my Oscars research, we actually did a whole optimization model and we found that the ideal number of simulations was 69,420. And so oh, if you're ever looking for academically rigorous materials. No, that that I mean, I have faith that you came to that number through purely empirical Entirely. research and extremely empirical. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm all taking goodbye. <laughs>